Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode number 214 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic and entrepreneur, here to help you get control of your life back. And this is a coaching podcast. We talk about all facets of life and the struggles we all struggle with. (laughs) And I'll go first. I'll go out there and do all the things and try the stuff so I can come back and tell you what works and what doesn't. All you have to do is show up with a great attitude and look forward to learning how to take your life to the next level. It's all about feeling better, looking better, being better, so you're thriving and not just surviving. And today we're going to talk about high-functioning alcoholics. Maybe you are one, maybe you're married to one, or you have one you love. (laughs) And this is such an interesting term to me, especially in the past several years, because the landscape has changed so much. And the first piece of conversation I want to talk about is the infamous rock bottom. Now, we kind of connect these concepts, rock bottom and high functioning, but we think they are opposites of one another. It seems as though the people who have a tragic rock bottom moment used to be considered low bottom or low functioning. And you may remember, if you've been listening to me for a while, I did a whole episode on the difference between high bottom and high functioning because the concepts are very loosely connected. I had a low bottom moment, but I was a very high functioning alcoholic in in my life and my alcoholism, right? And as I spoke about in that prior episode, we tend to connect the rock bottom moment to an event or, you know, something tragic. But the truth is, rock bottom is a feeling, not an event. Rock bottom is that feeling you have when your mind is screaming for help, screaming to make it stop, begging for some force to take the desire to drink away from you because you can't bear to live this way anymore. For me, it was so sad how I felt. My thoughts were dark. I hated myself. I hated my life. I lied to everyone. Every thought I had was full of negativity and judgment and disdain, disdain for everything. My body hurt. My heart hurt. That's rock bottom. It's not DUIs and car crashes and getting kicked out of the house and losing everything. Rock bottom isn't what happens to you. It's how you feel when you get to that place that you just can't go on living the same way for another moment. And it doesn't matter what the thing is either. Alcohol, divorce, weight, illness. We will all have many rock bottoms in many different areas of our lives over the years. So I want to share this statistic with you about alcohol use disorders. 
Uh, by the way, in the professional and diagnostic world, we call alcoholism alcohol use disorders, AUDs. That is the uh, diagnostic term, the new fancy term these days. So I love this stat because I feel like people are surprised. People say this to me all the time. When you book a call with me or you know, you're doing coaching with me, people all the time are like, I'm so high functioning, but I'm high functioning, but I'm high functioning. Like high functioning in your life makes you less of an alcoholic. Those are the thoughts that people connect. If you're high functioning, you're not as bad of an alcoholic. And that is entirely untrue, my friends. So this statistic says, uh, researchers and specialists estimate that as much as 50 to 75% of those with alcohol use disorders are able to function at a high level in many areas of their life. That's huge. And it's baffling because alcoholics and addicts are some of the smartest, most charming and incredible people I've ever met. I love us. And again, I hear my clients all the time talking about how confused they are because they can be so successful in so many areas of their lives, but they can't seem to figure out this alcohol thing. What I want you to hear is this is not uncommon because we are smart and we are doers and we are achievers. So it's not uncommon that we are going to have levels of success in other areas of our lives. Listen, I go through the same thing, this exact same thought process with food stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is bizarre, dude. How am I so disciplined and so good in so many areas of my life? And I have this one thing that I can't freaking figure out. And that's what I hear from my clients all the time. And it is baffling. But I want you to understand that having a low bottom moment does not make you a low functioning person. That's the the concepts that you're connecting that are really not connected. When you sit back and you're saying, I haven't had a DUI, I'm not that bad yet. Well, those things haven't happened to me. Oh, I haven't done that. I'm not as bad as those people. All of that is fallacy. It took me 14 years to get a DUI. 14 years of drinking and driving all the time, nearly every single day. Remember, I was a bartender. (laughs) So drinking and driving was just life for me. Took me 14 years to get a DUI. That did not make me less of an alcoholic. And just like many of you, I had a beautiful life. I had a beautiful home, a beautiful car. I had money in my pocket. I was a very high-functioning human being. That didn't make me less of an alcoholic. It didn't mean that I didn't need to stop, right? It just meant that I hadn't had any tragedy yet. And I really want you to hear this because you guys think that you can just keep going and you tell yourselves you're not as bad as those people, which is me. You're not as bad as me. So you can keep drinking. And the truth is you will get to the place of tragedy. Nobody drinks forever without some type of tragedy, whatever that may be. 
It will happen. And listen, tragedy is a different thing to different people too. You know, there are some people in the world that are far more sensitive that a much more lightweight situation would be considered tragedy to them, right? Me, it takes something pretty hardcore for for it to even get my attention, to be honest. But for me to consider it a tragedy, it has to be something pretty significant. But you cannot drink with impunity forever. Something will happen. That's the thing I really want you to get. It's not about the events. High functioning in your life doesn't mean you're less of an alcoholic. And having a low bottom moment doesn't mean you're not high functioning. I had a very low bottom moment. And you've heard me talk about this before. I had a low bottom moment when I crashed my car and I hit another person at 70 miles an hour. That's a low bottom moment. But all the years of my drinking were not low bottom moments. 95% of my drinking life were really fun moments. You know, they really were. I mean, of course I can look back on it now. Before I was drinking super out of control, I was having fun, but it was still all wasted time. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't growing up as a human being. I wasn't adding value to the world or even being a valuable person to myself or my family, right? I was selfish, self-absorbed. I didn't think about anybody else. I only did what I wanted. And my life revolved around drinking and partying. So, It was an absolute like wasted decade there (laughs) for sure. And then I had the, the very end, the last few years for me were really dark and ugly, but just the last bit and I was still very high functioning. So I want you to disconnect these concepts, right? You do not have to have a low bottom moment to be a low functioning alcoholic. Now, here's another thing I think is a huge struggle where people that have a good, powerful, low bottom moment typically get sober easier because you have such a wake up call. My low bottom moment hit me in the face with such force. I could no longer deny the truth of my situation. And that's where you are when you're stuck in that, I'm not that bad. That hasn't happened to me yet. Maybe I can still drink. I never really got that out of control. When you're stuck in that thought process, that's what the thing is. You are able to still hang on to some denial because you haven't had the tragedy yet. And that's where I see people consistently stopping and starting again, stopping and starting again, day one again, day one again, day one again, day one again. It's just a never-ending cycle when you don't have that tragic sort of moment. Because in that tragic rock bottom moment, I could no longer deny the reality of my situation. I could no longer deny who I was, what the truth was. I could no longer deny it to other people and hold up that charade any longer. And I had to get my shit together. It wasn't optional anymore. And the thing I see now is where there's this beautiful shift People are no longer drinking to the point of burning their life to the ground. 
you know, that is a very old school concept where the alcoholic is the homeless person or unhoused, as we're supposed to say now. That is not the truth of the situation anymore. The truth of the situation is the majority of alcoholics look just like you and me. You would never know. You would have never guessed, even in my drunkest moments, you wouldn't have guessed I was an alcoholic because I was a very controlled person, even drunk. Alcoholics look like all of us. We're all alcoholics. (laughs) We're just regular people roaming the planet. So the concept has shifted, right? And in that concept shifting, where it's not the skid row, drunk, living on the street with nothing and no one, right? That's old school concept. Now we're almost the majority of us are these high functioning, successful in life people. So you have to disconnect these thoughts of low bottom versus high functioning. You can still have a low bottom moment and be high functioning. It's not about the events. That's what I want you to hear. Now let's talk about some behaviors of a high functioning alcoholic. Here we go. Behaviors that may indicate someone has high functioning alcoholism. Avoiding any critical input or feedback about your drinking patterns. Oh boy, I know you guys listen. I work with you one-on-one. I've been working with addicts and alcoholics for a hundred years. I know we get super defensive. If anybody says anything about our drinking, we love to blow up and explode and gaslight the life out of them and tell them why it's all their fault. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, Blacking out from alcohol consumption. I, listen, you may have heard me talk about this before. I don't like using blacking out as a criteria because I was a raging drunk and I wasn't a blackout drunk. I blacked out very few times in my whole alcoholic career. So I don't like using that. I mean, it's definitely something that happens more frequently for other people. It just wasn't part of my story. Uh, next, concealing how much alcohol is consumed, such as drinking before or after an event sneaking alcohol when you're at an event where alcohol isn't served, drinking by yourself or hiding alcohol around the house. Now I can relate to a lot of these, a lot of these. (laughs) So always drink before for sure. Always drink after. Uh, I definitely would sneak alcohol when doing something at the end. I would definitely sneak alcohol if I was doing something where alcohol wasn't served. I definitely drink by myself uh, when I would get home at night. You know, I wasn't ready to go to sleep. I would still have a couple of drinks. I didn't have to hide alcohol around the house because I lived alone, just me and my dogs. But I will tell you, I definitely, when I would go to parties and stuff where there were a lot of people, I would hide some alcohol. So when everybody else started running out, I always had some stashed because I was so scared to death to run out. That's not a normal relationship with alcohol, my friends. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Um, Next, continuing to drink, even if it has caused or worsened physical or mental health problems. That's huge. 
uh, denial of a drinking problem because of a lack of severe consequences, such as missing days or showing up late for school or work. This is big. This is exactly what we're talking about, right? Denial of a drinking problem because of the lack of severe consequences. This is where you tell yourself, I'm high functioning. I don't have a low bottom moment. So I'm not that bad of an alcoholic. Total fallacy, my friends. Next, not fitting a predetermined image of an alcoholic, such as being able to maintain a well-groomed appearance. Again, going back to what I was just talking to a few minutes ago, you have this thing in your mind where the alcoholic is the homeless person living under the bridge, drinking out of a brown paper bag. That's just not true. It's just not true. The majority of us look just like you and me. Next, drinking a large amount of alcohol and not appearing intoxicated. That was me for sure. Uh, Drinking at lunchtime during work. Drinking in situations that can be dangerous, such as before driving. Drinking as a reward for doing a good job or to cope with stressful situations. Drinking excessively when not abstaining, but not indulging regularly. Or you rationalize it because you can go for long periods without drinking at all. I want to touch on this one really quickly because, you know, this is like binge drinking. And binge drinkers are some of the most challenging people to help get sober because you have the fallacy of control in your head. Binge drinkers can say, oh, I can go weeks without drinking. I don't think about it. I don't have cravings. So you feel like you have some control. But the true loss of control when it comes to alcohol is when you start drinking. That's what I want you to think about. Can you stop once you start? Listen, it's easy to not have any, right? So just because a binge drinker can go a period of days or weeks without having alcohol and they don't have any cravings, that's not rocket science. Most of us can do that. But when you start drinking, do you have the control to stop? That's the control piece, okay? Um, experiencing cravings, strong urge or need to drink in specific situations, feeling guilty or ashamed about being intoxicated or about the behaviors displayed while under the influence of alcohol, feeling an overwhelming urge to finish drinks, even if they're someone else's. Oh boy, I can relate to that too. (laughs) Handling responsibilities well at home, school and work in spite of drinking. Hiding alcohol consumption from coworkers, classmates, or family members. And this one kind of makes me chuckle because then we hide our sobriety from coworkers, classmates, or family members. <laughs> it's those same behaviors. Uh, justifying drinking as not problematic if the alcohol is top shelf or is consumed at upscale events. Well, that is some ego stuff right there. Uh, lying to yourself and or others about how much you are drinking and how strong your drinks are, making comparisons to people who have experienced worse problems with drinking or severe consequences to show that your drinking isn't that bad. So that's what this whole episode is about, right? And how you rationalize that you're not as bad as the real alcoholics because you haven't had any DUIs and you still got your job and all those things. Not seeing excessive drinking, which may cause psychological distress, as a significant problem in performing tasks of daily life. Obsessing over when you can attain your next drink. 
trying to control how much you drink. And the last one is remaining well-known for doing an exceptional job at work or in school despite excessive alcohol use, which may or may not cause problems in other areas or psychologically. This is big too. I get this one a lot too. Obviously, I work with a lot of very successful people. So some of these conversations are normal with my clientele in general. And this is one of those things that I get. People with a drinking problem can still do an exceptional job at work. And many people who have a drinking problem will just start to incorporate their drinking problem in their work, right? So I hear all the salespeople on the planet will tell me, well, this is a part of my job. I have to take clients out to dinner and we all drink a lot, but it's really not a part of your job. You made it a part of your job. I was a bartender. Drinking was a part of my job. (laughs) It's not a part of the rest of the jobs. Uh, I had a guy really early in my career. I worked with a guy who was a mortgage broker and he told me the same thing. He owned this huge mortgage company, super successful guy. And he's like, well, this is just a part of my work. I don't know how I'll do my work without it. I was like, you do mortgages, dude. There's nothing involved in mortgage that involves drinking, like nothing. But these are the things that we tell ourselves to rationalize and justify our behavior and make it seem like... We have to have it. We have to be around it. So I want you to think about all these things that I've talked about in this episode in that list that I just read to you. And I want you to really think about for yourself disconnecting the thoughts that if you're high functioning, you're less of an alcoholic. I want you to disconnect those thoughts. I can't tell you how many clients I have that are multi-millionaires, right? Being high-functioning and doing well in your job and making money and being successful and having nice things doesn't make any of us less of an alcoholic. (laughs) It doesn't mean you can drink longer or you don't need to quit. I want you to disconnect those thought processes. Again, it took me 14 years to even get a DUI. I was super high functioning. It didn't make me less of a drunk. And if it's causing problems in your life, this is the other thing I want you to think about today. If it's causing problems in your life and it's making you not feel good about yourself, then why do you need to keep doing it until you have a tragic moment? Why isn't not feeling good about it yourself enough? Because a true rock bottom moment, again, is those feelings. Rock bottom is I cannot stand to live like this for another moment. Something has to happen. I hate myself. I hate this situation. I can't freaking take it anymore. Somebody's got to help me. That's rock bottom. It doesn't matter if you get a DUI or crash your car or fall down the stairs or uh, several years ago, I had a client that lit her face on fire lighting her cigarette and instead she lit her hair instead of her cigarette. Uh, I've had people, you know, we had somebody just a few years ago fall into the campfire drunk on their big camping trip with their camping trip with their drunk friends, right? All kinds of things can happen. If you want to keep drinking until you have tragedy, I mean, you're welcome to do so, right? But I want you to think about that rock bottom moment is a feeling. It's not an event. 
Sometimes those are connected for us, right? Mine definitely was. I knew I needed to quit drinking, but I was so scared of everything that that meant. And it seemed like such a huge concept. I didn't even know how to tackle it. That's probably the most accurate statement. I knew I needed to quit drinking. I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to feel good and I wanted to feel happy because I didn't feel any of those things for years. I wanted so badly to have control of my life, but it was such a huge concept. I didn't even know where to start. And that's where you guys today are so lucky too, because there are so many of us out in the world doing this work that are at your fingertips. You have so many options and ways that you can tackle it. It's not just the one or two options I had when I got sober. You know, you have a lot to choose from, but it doesn't have to be your rock bottom doesn't have to be connected to a tragic event. When I had my tragic event, that was just when the denial was knocked out of me. I just couldn't deny it anymore from that point forward. I had to do something regardless of how difficult it was or how crazy it felt or how scared I was. That's the beauty of the tragic moment because it knocks the denial out of you. I hope you have found this episode helpful. I love you guys. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.